Well, for a number of weeks now, uh, I've been uh, taking these Sunday mornings to teach you about the subject of faith. And you're glad about that, right? You're glad about it, praise God, because faith is what turns us into overcomers. Amen? Uh, God has given us a hand by which we can reach into the invisible realm and lay hold of the unseen realities of the blessings and promises of God and pull them into our reality. And that hand is the hand of faith. That hand is the hand of faith. Praise God. And uh, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. You remember that? And so for that, for that reason alone, I want to be good at faith. I want to live my life by faith every day because I want to be pleasing to God. Another thing we've seen, and I, I know by experience, that if, if, if I don't uh, learn to operate in Bible faith, I'm going to live without. I'm going to go without because God has not promised to force His blessings into my life. Amen. Uh, he, he's given us, me, a covenant responsibility to trust Him, and that's what faith is. And so apart from doing that, learning how to live that way, then I'm going to live a very natural life subject to all of the natural forces and limitations and things that are out there that, that every person saved and unsaved is going to experience. Amen. But I tell you what, learning to live by faith, I'm, I'm, I'm insulated from many things. I, I can keep many things out. Not everything, and where I'm not immune necessarily. The storms and trials are going to come. And, but I can avoid a lot of pitfalls and things just learning to live by faith that others, others go through that I don't. Amen. And, and, and so the life of faith is the life for you. The life of faith is the life for me. Amen. And I have the whole series here with me. I'm not preaching the whole series to you again, so uh, be encouraged. And let me just find my, find my spot. Romans chapter 1 and verse number 17 it says, for therein, and the previous verse talked about the gospel, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. So notice even there, the right things about God, the, the right ways that God does things, the right ways uh, of God's system of everything from morality to principles, laws, these things, the right ways of God, are revealed by faith. Amen. You know, we have made, you know, living in the culture we live in, we may have been brought up and been influenced to think that certain things are okay. Amen. But we read in the Bible that they're not okay, that God doesn't think about them that way. Well, that may not fit with you at first. Amen. But the right ways of God are, will be revealed to you as you exercise trust in Him, as you have some faith in Him. Right? Uh, let's, let's just take something recently. You know, Halloween. Well, I grew up in a home that that was one of the favorite holidays. And I just, I, when, when I think it was, I started dating Amber and she started talking about, hey, we ain't doing that old Halloween. No, we ain't doing that. And I thought, are you fuddy-duddy? What is the big deal? It's just it's just another thing to do to have some fun. There's there's the demons, but I didn't know. I didn't know. I hadn't been taught. I hadn't seen it. Amen. I, I see it very differently today by walking with God, having my eyes revealed. 
And, and we don't have to wait till we understand everything to get to walk in some things. Right? I don't understand everything about a plane, but I get on one. I'm not going to let my lack of understanding keep me from traveling. Amen? So praise God. So uh, glory to God. So it says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So for many weeks we've been looking at Hebrews chapter 10, and it says, For the just shall live by faith. Right here in the book of Romans, it says the exact same thing. The just shall live by faith. Amen. So if, you're, if you've not been with us, we encourage you to go back. We've taught a lot. Go back and check uh, or catch up with us. We're going to be moving on. Last uh, week, I left off. I don't feel, I feel like I got very far, but uh, I left off beginning to talk about how to develop your faith. You know, be, uh, until faith comes and faith is developed, then we're subject to the forces of doubt, questioning, and unbelief. And uh, I'm, I'm sure, you know, most of you have been around long enough to know that if we doubt, we go without. The book of James chapter 1 says that we should ask God in faith with nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that person think that he will receive anything from the Lord. So doubt is a thief. It robs us of God's greater blessings. Amen. But, you know, just to be honest, when we, when we have situations, impossibilities, things come up in our lives, and we know that there are promises from God in the Word that deal with that, but honestly, if, if a lot of us were honest right then, we are not in faith about that. Amen. And we have to get fully persuaded. We have to become absolutely convinced beyond doubt or question that what God said is true in my life in this situation, and I have it now. And you don't get there by accident. You can get there on purpose. You don't just accidentally fall into faith. We know how faith comes. I've taught you this, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the anointed Word of God. Hallelujah. But there is a process to faith. Amen. I, don't, I, I try to be very careful not to turn uh, faith into what many have called it. You know, like a, a slot machine or a vending machine. You know that if you just push this button and pull that lever, out comes your healing. You know, name it and claim it and blab it and grab it and all that. Right? Now, they're wrongly criticizing some very biblical truths. Amen. But that does those things do not negate that there is a law of faith. Romans 3 says that there is the law of faith. And laws are governed by rules and principles. The kingdom of God's got rules. Amen. And we just need to harmonize our life with His ways. Let me tell you something you might not know about your Father, our Heavenly Father. He's a farmer. He's a country boy at heart. I don't mean that with any district. I know he lives in a city. Amen. But Jesus said in Mark chapter 4, so is the kingdom of God. So let's find out. He's about to tell us what the kingdom of God is, how the kingdom of God functions. How's it function? The kingdom of God is as if a man casts a seed into the ground. Over and over, it was one of Jesus' favorite analogies. 
is stuff like dirt and seeds and plants and harvest. What did he call uh, mass salvation? He called that a harvest. He said, do not, saints, do not, disciples of mine, look upon the fields and say, no, yet four months, and then comes the harvest. He said, for the fields are white. They are right now ready for harvest. God is a farmer. The kingdom of God functions by one of the master laws called seed, time, and harvest. Amen? And you and I can and we should, as a lifestyle, be stocking the cupboards of our heart with faith. We should be building a heart full of faith. Amen? And we want to go further into teaching you how and telling you how. Amen? Go to Mark chapter 11. Uh, Mark chapter 11. Glory to God. Now, if you remember last time, we were over in Mark chapter 4. And there again, you're going to Mark 11, but quoting Mark chapter 4, Jesus said, the sower soweth the word. Now, later on, the disciples asked him to explain to them this parable. You remember that? And Jesus said to them, you don't get this parable? He said, how then will you understand all the parables? In other words, this is a big deal. And so he explained it to him. He said, the sower sows the word, which again tells us what? The word of God is a seed, and it must be treated like a seed. It must be worked like a seed. It functions like a seed, and you need to think about the word of God like it is like a seed. Amen. All right, so in Mark chapter 11, Let's look at a day in the life of Jesus. And in verse 12 it says, And on the morrow when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it. We want to put people in straitjackets who talk unto it. Amen? But is Jesus our rabbi? Is Jesus our Lord? Is he our master? Is he our savior? Are we to be his disciples? Did Jesus talk to things? What, what are some of the things other than a fig tree that you remember Jesus talking to? Jesus talked to wind. Jesus talked to waves. Remember anything else? What's that? The storm. Yes, sir. He talked to a dead man, right? Jesus talked to fevers. Remember when he went into Peter's house and his mother-in-law lay there with a heavy fever? And it says he stood over her and he talked to the fever. He said, hey, fever. He rebuked the fever. And the fever left. Now, I'm a simple man. Amen. But do fevers hear, Miss Jennifer? Can fevers hear? Well, evidently they can because it left when Jesus spoke to it. Can wind 
here? Well, evidently they can because the wind responded and did exactly what Jesus told it to do. And now we see a day in the life of Jesus where he's talking to a tree. Are you willing to be like Jesus? Well, then you're going to have to join us weird ones. Right? You're going to have to go out to the bookstore and get the name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, T-shirt and wear it. You know, I blabbed it and I grabbed it. That's the problem with the critics. They want to make fun of it. But I, cl- I named it and I claimed it and I'm driving it. That, that's the problem. And people don't realize who they're making fun of. Because it wasn't a man named Kenneth E. Hagin that authored Mark 11, 23 and 24. They act like Kenneth Hagin made it up. Like he, he, he made a secret deal with all the Bible publishers and put those words in there. But Kenneth Hagin didn't say, you can have what you say. He didn't. He's not. Jesus said, I'm ahead of myself. But he's the one that said, you can have what you say. So, but I want you to know, Jesus, it says that Jesus answered and said to it. Well, did the fig tree say something to him? Because it said he answered the fig tree. Well, I love the way Dr. I can't improve on it. Dr. Dufresne said it this way. Yeah, that tree said to him, yeah, you're not getting breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Now, listen, has your checkbook ever talked to you? You know it has. It's got a big old mouth on it, doesn't it? Have you ever had circumstances talk to you? Have you ever had mountains beat its chest and intimidate you? Have you ever had sickness and disease talk to you? Well, you better learn to talk back. we got to learn to talk back. Jesus answered and said, let's see what he said. He said, no man eat fruit from you hereafter forever. Boom. And he walked off and left it. He's got places to go. So he goes on into Jerusalem and cleans out all the money changers. Well, the next day they're coming back that way on the same road, back towards Bethany, the opposite direction. And in verse 19 it says, And when evening was come, he went out of the city. And in the morning they passed by, and they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Are we reading our Bible? Yeah. You know I found out? That my daddy's Methodist Bible says the same thing as this, this my, my King Jimmy right here. says the same thing. We all have the same Bible. We all have the same Jesus. And Jesus, he didn't pay that tree no mind. It took Peter. You know it had to be Peter. You knew it was going to have to be Peter. He's the one that came along and pointed out, Jesus, look, look, look. You know he was waiting. He was like, I can't wait to see this tree. And here is this tree totally withered up and dead, dried up from the roots. Can fig trees hear? You know, this is kind of an exciting thing because uh, cash money, paper money is made out of wood. Paper's made out of wood. And this fig tree heard Jesus, and it did exactly what it said. That's what Dr. Frank would say. Your money is waiting on you to talk to it. Yeah. I said, well, I don't believe that. Well, that's why you're not in the flow. 
Amen. Not, not criticizing. So Jesus says, yeah, yeah. Uh, Peter says in verse 21, Look, Master, the tree that you cursed or spoke negatively to is withered away. And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. Or we know the Greek says, Have the God kind of faith. Did he say, Now listen, guys, listen. Uh, this is exciting. I know you're with me, but this is a deity trick, so don't you can't practice this at home. Is that what he said? This would have been a perfect opportunity to say, this is a deity trick, guys. Uh, I'm deity. I did this, but you can't do it. Don't you try to talk to fig trees. He did exactly the opposite, didn't he? He said, you guys need to have the God kind of faith that I just exhibited. And then he taught them how the God kind of faith works. And so it says, And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God, for verily I say unto you that whosoever... Hey, listen, if you're anybody, if you're anybody, you're a whosoever. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe. But believe. Believe what? Believe the things that he says will come to pass. He will have whatever he says. Now, we have a choice to make right now. Every one of you under my voice has a choice to make. Do you believe that or not? I want to go ahead and say something to us all. It's working for you perfectly. It is working for you perfectly. If we don't like our life, we need to check up on what we've been saying. Because the sum of your life today, right? Your life is the sum today of the words you spoke yesterday. Oh, no, you know, I want to believe that, Pastor Chris, and all that stuff, but nothing ever works out for me. I don't ever get ahead. We're always falling by. All my stuff's always breaking down. It's working for you perfectly. Yeah, I mean, it's just working for you. You're proving it out, aren't you? Amen. Our words are powerful. Our words are powerful. We need to understand this. The kingdom of God is as a seed, as is if a man cast a seed into the ground. Amen? And our hearts are the ground. And the Word of God are the seeds. And you can grow whatever kind of crop you want in your heart. So how many of you, you want to have strong faith developed for healing and divine health? You can have as strong as a faith in that as you want. But you have to understand the process. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the anointed word. Amen. And so this is where confession comes in. The positive confession of God's word is so vitally important because it is the primary way that you're going to sow the seed of the word of God in your heart. Your heart's got to hear it. And who better to hear it from than your own mouth, your own tongue, your own being. Amen? Hallelujah. 
instead of sowing words of negativity, instead of sowing words of doubt and unbelief, instead of voicing all of your questions, all your wonderings, instead of voicing all of our complaints, we need to realize that we are sowing negative seeds into our heart. Amen. And we need to get rid of that. We need to uproot that. We need to sow the Word of God into our heart. Amen. So if you want to have strong faith for healing, then you need to uh, get into the Word and dig you out. You know, my wife, before she does the garden, she shops for seed. She's very particular about the seed that she wants to sow. Amen. And so she'll reach out and she'll buy and spend money uh, for an organic, for a, you know, non-scientific seed, whatever you want to call it. What do you call them? Uh, air, heirloom seed. She wants good seed. Amen. That's where it starts. So, you know, if, if from Genesis to Revelation, you see this about the spoken word and how important it is. Write this down if you got to say if you're taking notes. This is a word planet. This world we live in is a world, a word, excuse me, a word planet. It's a word planet. This world was created by words, and it is sustained and upheld by words. It's governed by words. It operates by words. Don't believe me? Let's go to John chapter 1. I don't want you to believe me. I do want you to believe the book. Amen. In John chapter 1 verse 1, look what it says. It says, in the beginning was the word. It wasn't clay. It wasn't Play-Doh. It wasn't stone. It wasn't molecules. It wasn't atoms. In the beginning was what? The Word, and your breakthrough, your victory, your future, how does it begin? With words. I said it begins with words. Amen. Your marriage is a word marriage. Your marriage will only be as sweet as your words. Amen. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was was God. The Word equals deity. The word, So God is the creator. Then that means His Word has creative ability. When God set out in the beginning to make the universe and the Word, what He had with Him was the Word. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Now, you could, Jesus is the word and the word is Jesus. So if you read it this way, think about it. All things were made by the word. And without the word was not anything made that was made. This is how God works. This is how God functions. Are you with, do you see it? In the beginning was the word. So what's the beginning of your healing? The Word. What do you need to have with you when you're about to launch out into a faith project? The Word. 
the word. You know what we launched out with to build this building, to launch out into that project? We had a word. We had the word of God. We had God's instruction. Amen. And we had to speak that word and stand on that word and fight over that word and sow that word and declare that word and believe that word and speak that word for seven long years before it ever came to pass. But it came to pass. I said it came to pass. Amen. What's the beginning of your uh, next level financially? In the beginning is the word. So you can't skip the word. Every good thing's going to begin with the word. Amen. All things were made by the word, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now, you could go to Hebrews 1. We won't for time's sake, but in Hebrews 1 around verse 3, it says all things that he created, all things are right now being upheld by the word of his power. Now, you think about the power of words. What is keeping all the nine planets in our solar system and all the moons in perfect location orbiting around our star? What is keeping the earth itself on its perfect axis right out there held out on nothing? What is keeping us from floating off the planet? We are spinning at 26-something thousand miles per hour. All things are being upheld by the word of God's power. And isn't it interesting when you look into the Genesis account, God made Adam, formed his body, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And in the Hebrew it says, and man became a speaking spirit. From the very genesis of man's being, God called him a speaking spirit. We're created in his likeness. We're created in his image. And just like God created his word, world, his world, and he is upholding his world with his word, we create our own little world with our words. You know, if you'll think faith thoughts and you'll speak faith words, that will lead your life out of despair and defeat and over into victory. I don't care what you're facing. I said, I don't care what you're facing. I watched both of my grandfathers die horrible deaths from cancer. Horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. And when I found out that I didn't have to be sick, I mean, I... I latched down like a, like a Rottweiler on a bone, and I'm not going to let go. And my faith is strong in the area of health and healing. But I've been walking with God, and, but I have been in the Word and talking the Word and listening to sermons on healing and health. And I've been endeavoring. I've sown and sown, and I'm going to continue to live that way. Sow and sow and sow and sow and sow the incorruptible seed of the healing Word into my life. So that if sickness, disease, and pains ever wants to knock on my door, I'm going to have a heart full of faith. Amen. Praise God. In Mark eleven twenty three, Jesus is basically telling us, speak to things. They will obey you. He demonstrated it. Peter asked him about it, and he said, have this kind of faith. 
And then the sum of verse 23, he basically said, speak to things and heaven and the spirit realm will back you up just like it backed me up. Jesus didn't walk off. Remember, it was a drop-the-mic moment. He just spoke to that tree and walked off and left it. He didn't wander around wondering if it would work. He knew it would work, and it did. Those words got on the roots of that tree and killed it. And unfortunately, our words get on our relationships and kill them. And our words get on our bodies and kill cells. <laughs> you know, we tell all these. Sh- Think about how the how clever the devil has been, and how he knows how, how important words are. Think about all of the slang in our vernacular. None of it is positive. Not any of our jokes. Not any of our phrases. They are all laced with death. We don't say, <laughs> "You scared me to life." We don't say that. We say scared to. We don't say that. That just blessed me so good. We say, "Don't stop, stop, man! You're killing me." Think of how many phrases and jokes and comments about losing our mind. It's just it's in the songs. The devil has worked the language of death and negativity and doubt and unbelief into the vernacular. So think about some of the cooler terms, you know, that the kids have used the last couple of years. I've heard like, uh, I just heard Keith Moore, he must have heard it too. Something really, really neat or something, they'll go, oh man, that is sick. What? What? That's sick? Yeah, yeah, that is wicked, man. That is so that is so awesome. That is wicked. Listen, wicked is not awesome. And sick is not cool. You think all this stuff is in the in the in the culture in the in the vernacular by just random happenstance? No. Unconsciously we sing it, we talk it, we joke it at the water fountain everywhere we go and it's in our mouth and we're just sowing that crap into our heart and mind all the time. All of our jokes are not about how rich and blessed we are. They're about how broke and I don't have enough money to pay attention and don't have enough sense to get in and out of the rain. And then we wonder why we have dementia and Alzheimer's and it is good preaching. But people in the church, by the multi-millions, they mock this teaching. They mock it and they say, come on, man, it's just words. And they don't get it. Words are containers. Jesus said, my words, they are spirit and they are life. What did he mean? Contained within my words are spirit and life. That's why you need to feed on those words, receive those words, speak those words, think those words, because they will—they are spirit. They are anointing. They are power. They are life. They will minister life to your mind, to your family, to your finances, to your emotions. Amen. But the devil's got words. I said the devil's got words. Go back with me to Matthew 12. I'm looking at the time. Where does all the good time go, man? Praise God. That's all right. 
That's the good thing about pastoring the church is I'll be here next week. Matthew chapter 12. We'll probably end right here. Hallelujah. Our words are powerful. We're going to Matthew 12. Proverbs chapter 6 verse 2 says, For thou, old man, thou art snared by the words of your mouth. You're taken captive by the words of your mouth. You see, you wanted to conquer, but the moment you got discouraged and said, I can't, then those words rose up and bound you, and now you're a failure until you change that. You need to realize that words carry momentum in the Spirit. And this is really ultimately why my prayers could not change my mom's situation and why she died at 58. Because all her life, she spoke death. And those words carried such momentum, and I can't change the momentum and direction of those words through a a single desperate prayer. I, I know you can get this. Brother Hagan, you'd only learn this by years of ministerial experience. But people asked, someone asked Brother Hagan a very good question. He said, I think it was a pastor, he said, I have had someone in my congregation and they are on life support. They are in a coma. Can, can I, what is the key to help them as a pastor to get them out of that? Brother Hagan said, you can't unless, it de- he said it depends on what was the last thing they said before they lost consciousness. Did they leave the door open with their words, words of faith, words of hope? Or did they close it through words of doubt, fear, and unbelief? This is why I'm talking, but I'm not even 50 till for a few more weeks. I'll be young, and even when I'm 50, I'm young. I apologize to everyone I told was old. When I was 20. But I'm putting words, I'm keeping a momentum going about my home going. And I'm speaking those words so that there's a momentum about that in the Spirit. And when I reach that moment, it will be as I say. You can't talk death, 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 poverty, 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 poverty. And then one time you get excited because Dr. Zaville talked about the blessing and get excited for three days and say, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, and then wonder why you're not rolling in dough. When there's a momentum of talk that has been so, it's going to take some time, like we talked about, about momentum. There's a momentum with spiritual laws. Amen? And a lot of us need to go home and pray for crop failure. Oh, Father, I repent for all that negative, doubt-filled, carnal talk. And I'm taking my hoe in the Spirit, and I'm uprooting all that in Jesus' name. And then start talking it. Don't tell it the way it is. You know, that, that song, you know, tell it like it is. That's the problem. You don't, don't tell it like it is. You need to tell it the way you want it. Tell it the way you want it. Proverbs 6, 2 says you're, you're taken captive. You're, you're snared by the words of your mouth. Proverbs 18, uh, 19, or around verse 20 and 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. 
death and life are in the power of the tongue. You know, Reverend Randall Greer, he was sentenced to an Alabama prison to life without the possibility of parole. Yet in there, as a newly baby born-again Christian, God told him, you're coming out. I'm coming out. I'm coming out, he said. No, but he heard from God. Now, because God said it, if God really said it, can, does he have a basis for faith? Well, he just had to say it and say it and say it and say it. I'm coming out. I'm coming out of here. God's bringing me out of here. I've got a call on my life. I'm getting out of here. I'm coming out of here. And he just had to keep saying it. Keep saying it. Keep saying it. And he just kept getting turned down by the pro. No, you're not even up for parole. You, it's not even a possibility. You just need to get used to it. This is where you are. you got a prison, prison letter ministry max. That's all. But he just kept saying, I'm coming out. I'm coming out. God said, I'm coming out. I'm coming out. And then a man he'd never met named Kenneth e. Hagan wrote a letter to the governor about him and vouching for the guy. And he got a full pardon. He got what he said. He got what he said. I said he got what he said in line with what God said. The word confession in the Greek is homologia. Homo means same. Homologia. Confession means say the same thing as. So don't talk what you feel like talking. Find out what God said and say that. That is what he's telling us to do. Homologia, your situation. What did God say and say that? What did Jesus say? He said, my words are not my own. My words are not my own. I only speak that which I hear my father say. I only do that which I hear my father do. Are we supposed to be like Jesus or not? Amen. All right, let's, let's get this and we'll let you go. So these are the words of Jesus, red letters. Let's, let's pay attention. Verse 33, Matthew 12, verse 33. Jesus said, either make the tree good. Now listen, if you've got to write it in your Bible so you don't forget, you're the tree. I'm the tree. So he says, either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt or bad and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by its fruit. O generation of vipers, how can you, talking to trees as people, being evil, speak good things? Listen. If a tree is bad, the fruit cannot be good. That's what Jesus is saying. If the tree is bad, like I got a tree in my yard. I don't know why it's still there. I got all the tools to get rid of it. It's a thorn tree. I asked actually, what's the name of this tree? And they said, a thorn tree. I thought, well, that was very creative. (laughs) And I hate mowing around that thing. You want to know why? Because it's got thorns on it that are that long. They want to reach out and touch a man. Can that tree ever be, in, I'm going to leave it, I'm going to leave it there, and hopefully it'll be an apple tree. No, it's going to produce thorns. I can cut all the thorns off. I can cut it to a stump and leave the roots, and it's going to grow a bushy tree back, and it's going to have thorns on it. Why? It's a bad tree. It's a bad tree. That's what Jesus said. You either make the tree bad, and its fruit will be bad, 
or the tree will be good. Now he's talking to the Pharisees, and he says, Oh, you generation of vipers, how can you, being bad, how can you, being evil, speak something good? Impossible. You cannot. Then notice what he said, this, this truth, this law of the kingdom. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You with me? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Verse 35, a good man. Who wants to be a good man? That's me. I want to be a good man. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. Now, the Amplified, I believe, says a good man out of the rich deposit, out of the good deposit of his heart, flings forth good things. Maurice, what makes a good man a good man? Right? How does he get good fruit? And what is he speaking? He's on it, but you gotta let's all help Maurice. What according to the scripture, what makes a good man a good man? The inner treasure of his heart. And it's from that inner treasure that he speaks. And that's what he has. How many of us in this room is this true for? All of us. Is there any hope? Can we go from being a, what makes a, uh, let me go over here. What makes a bad man a bad man? What's in his heart in abundance? What's going to come out of a man like that? Whatever's in there, and we know it's bad. So the bad man's going to produce bad things because of the bad stuff that's in his heart. I'm going to say that again. A bad man is a bad man, and he produces bad things because of the bad things that are in his heart. Change what's in your heart. Mom gave the punchline so we can say amen and go home. <laughs> amen? The, the, the assignment for all of us then is to evaluate what's in my heart in abundance. I'll tell you, everything you've been feeding on. Some of you, it's politics in abundance. That's what you've been feeding on. Some of you, it's secular music. That's what you've been. Some of you, it's Netflix. That's what you've been feeding on in abundance. That's what you've been putting in. But can we change it at any moment? Could we just change it? We just change it. And fill our hearts with an abundance of seed. A seed that has been planted in our heart and that is growing. And every time you come to church, pastor's either planting or I'm watering. It's a little fertilizer on you. You need some extra. <laughs> Amen. And see, then faith becomes a natural thing. Out of that rich deposit of our heart, out of our mouth,
comes words. Words that contain faith. And our faith gives substance to the thing that we hope for. So you can be speaking, but if it's not in your heart in abundance, that's why you're missing it. They're they're empty words. But when they come from here, when you're not trying to grind it out in your mind, but you put, the, you put yourself in the Scripture and the Scripture in you so much so that it becomes a part of you, when that happens, you're coming out of that situation. People have called it all kinds of things, like the quarter in the slot machine or in the Coke machine. Have you ever, you put it in and you knew you just lost a quarter by the sound. Isn't that frustrating? You're like, man, he stole another quarter. But you know when you get a good one in there because it goes what? Kerplunk. You hear it land. Well, sometimes you're trying to feed it in, and you just know. But I'm telling you, you keep feeding on my God shall supply. My God shall. And your mind will go, you don't believe that. You don't believe a lick of that. That's all right. Just keep, keep sowing it. Just keep sowing it. Keep sowing it. Eventually, you'll hear Philippians 4.19 go, kerplunk. And when it lands and dawns on your spirit, you got it. And I don't, you won't care what the doctor has to say. You won't care how. You have it. And no one will be able to take it away from you. Amen? But there's some work and effort. There's some work and effort. You can't just leave here and go, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm Shazam at faith now. Well, you know how, but you've got to leave here and be a farmer. Leave here and be a farmer. What kind of crop do you want to have? What kind of future do you want to shape for yourself? You're the prophet of your own life. So decree a thing, and it will be established. Father, in the name of Jesus.